Well, good morning, Four Points Church. Who's had a summer that you're grateful for? Anybody? <laughs> Who's ready for your kids to go back to school? Whoop, whoop. Okay. Yeah, listen, students, we're praying for you as you go back to school. I know it's a little bit of an anxious time to go hang out at school again and have to have homework. Um, so thankful I don't have homework anymore in my life. But you know what? We may not be going back to school, but we all work, don't we? We do. We've been going through a series here at Four Points called The Daily Grind. And in this series, what we've been talking about is, is how to walk with God through all of what we would consider to be the normal stuff of living our lives. Because guys, we are, we're just so tempted to compartmentalize our life. You know what that means? It just means to put your life in different compartments. Like, here's, here's the person I am at work. Here's the person I am after five o'clock. <laughs> and here's the person I am on Sundays. Right? Sometimes, you know, it's like we have multiple personalities. Right? You know, we go, we go to work on Monday morning. You know, some of you are having to work on Sundays, you know, but we show up at work and it's like we, we turn off our true selves. Right? Like, this is not the place for me to be me. This is the place where I follow my boss. This is the place where I do what's expected of me. This is, this is my work. This is different from my life. Right? Some of you are working too much and you think your work is your life. And that's a whole other problem. Right? Because you're more than what you do. You know, sometimes, especially you guys, you know, somebody's like, hey, so, you know, tell me about yourself. The first thing you say is, well, I work at, right? Or my career is. But that's not who you are. But we're used to living that way, being defined by our jobs. And, and so we become a different person at work when we just go there to do the stuff. And then after five, we're all working for the weekend, right? That's, that's, when, that's when I'm me. That's when, you know, the real fill comes out. I get to do the things that I want to do. And then on Sunday, we become gods again. Sunday is the day that we, we dial in with God. You know, I've had my time at work. I've paid my dues to the man. You know, I, I've had my time for myself and my family. And, and, and Sundays, you know, I, I set that aside for God. That's, that's one of the, the ways we get the Sabbath wrong. You know, is it Sunday is a day set aside for God? You know, that's an ancient Jewish idea, the Sabbath. But what Jesus said and what Paul said in the New Testament is that all days are really the same. You know, it works out great for us to show up at church on Sunday. It's just, it's just the time we meet together. But is Sunday supposed to be a different day from other days? I think not. I think not. Isn't God interested in every part of our lives? Isn't God interested in everything about you? He is. <laughs> He's very interested in who you are. And even though you and I, maybe sometimes we just think about God at specific times, he's thinking about you all of the time. All of the time. Whether you're here, pressing in and in worship and dialing into who he is, or whether you're at work pushing a button or filling out a paper or talking on the phone. Today I want to talk about work. What does it mean to be a Christian and to work? 
And why do we work? You know, what, what is the point of just going somewhere and, and, and paying my dues to the man, you know? Why do I do that? And does the Bible have anything to say about that? Right? Is the Bible just for Sundays or does the Bible talk to me about even my job? Well, I think it does. I want to start by reading just a couple of passages of, passages of Scripture to you. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 says this, And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed or action, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So in everything that we say, and in everything that we do, we have an opportunity to worship him. We have an opportunity to be grateful to him. Work doesn't always feel like something we should be grateful for, does it? But what's the Bible say? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says this. So whether you eat or drink, amen, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. I mean, even down to eating a meal. We do that for the glory of God. Everything we do, everything we think, everything we say, because you see, God is always thinking of you. What God wants us to do is to always be thinking of him. I mean, we get our life, our breath, and everything we have, every gift we have comes from God. And we have more than enough reason, these passages are saying to us, to be grateful all of the time. I'm convinced <laughs> that if I really understood God's love, if I really understood how mindful of me he is and how he sees me, I would have a smile on my face all of the time, that no trial or tribulation or duty could wipe off my face, right? I would be the corniest guy around just like this. You know, I don't smile enough. You know, my kids, my kids make fun of me because sometimes they're like, dad, are you unhappy? I'm not unhappy, but I'm not smiling, you know? Or here's my thinking face, <laughs> right? But I, Guys, I really feel like I would have an outward expression of joy all the time if I really got it. Because God's love is so great that no matter what I'm doing, even if I'm cutting the grass, it's not fun. God's love is with me. And isn't that, you know, just so much better? God wants us to be mindful of him all the time, even in our work even in our nine to five, or maybe you worked second shift or third shift, because even work is a spiritual thing. If we view our jobs the way God views our jobs, even work is a spiritual thing. Even work is a form of worship. I want to look at a few more passages this morning. We're going to read through them pretty quick, and then we're going to talk about them. But these are some more passages that talks specifically about work. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9 says this, 
Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. That's what we've been talking about a lot at Four Points. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia, yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. And to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, you should mind your own business, mind your own business, and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anyone. Do you hear what's being said in that passage? Paul's basically saying, simmer down. Simmer down. Look, be at peace with people. Be mindful of God. Just do the things you do. Work with your hands. And even in that, you are a testimony to who God is and what God is doing in your life. And he says, and don't be dependent on anyone. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says this, For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, those who, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. I mean, I would drop the mic if I didn't want to have to replace it, right? God commands us to work. If we're living the kind of life where it's just like, hey, I just can't decide what I'm going to do for a living, so I'm just not going to work. Well, what does the Bible say about that? The Bible says don't, don't put yourself in a place to be dependent on other people. Take care of yourself. Use what God has given you. Listen to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. There's lots of ways you can steal, guys. I mean, you don't have to, you know, break into someone's house and take something. You can punch out before you're supposed to. Right? You can waste time at work and get paid for being on Facebook. There's, there's lots of ways that we can steal. But you must work, he says. Doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. So in these passages, the Bible talks specifically about work. He's talking about whatever it is that you do to earn a paycheck. But he's also talking about like why we do that. And what's the point? So let's talk about why we work. The first reason we work is so that we don't have to be dependent on other others. So that we don't have to be dependent on others. Godly adulthood is being able to take care of yourself, those who depend on you, and the needy around you. This is what it looks like to be a spiritual adult. Being able to provide for yourself, being able to provide for those who are depending on you, and being able to provide for the needy around you. Many times, guys, I've given advice to young adults. I've had guys come up to me. It's more, usually, sometimes girls do, but you'll understand. Most of the guys ask me this question. How do I get a girlfriend? 
<laughs> right? I, I like this girl. What do I say? What do I do? How do I, how do I get into this relationship? And sometimes they don't like my first piece of advice because, well, my second piece of advice, my first piece of advice is always draw near to God. My second piece of advice is get a job. <laughs> get a job. I've had guys get mad at me. Oh, I came to you for advice and you told me to get a job. That's the advice you needed, bro. Right? A grown, a grown woman or growing woman doesn't want to be with a guy you can't take care. A guy who's living in delayed adolescence. Right? You know, recent psychological studies say that men don't get out of adolescence until they're 30. Come on, boys. When the Bible was written, they were getting married when they were 14. Now, I'm not saying that you have to have everything together. Some guys think you have to have a $10,000 ring to get engaged and you have to have a house, you know, a, a house and, and, a, and, a, and a fast car and all these things and your retirement planned out before you can get engaged to a girl. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking, though, about, about working and about being able to provide for yourself. Right? When Corey and I got married, we lived in an apartment smaller than this stage, the whole thing. We loved our time together. And we were working hard. And here's another piece of advice, guys, if you're single, is, um, <laughs> man, if you're like a godly guy and a reliable guy and a hardworking guy, girls will sometimes overlook how you look. <laughs> I mean, just look at your boy. You know what I'm saying? Like, look at my wife. You know, I didn't get her with my good looks. You know, but work hard. You know, you got to be that guy who's seeking God and who's able to provide for others. Here's a word for you if you're a young single guy. If you want to meet a godly girl, work on becoming the godly man she's praying for. You think that girl's not praying for a godly husband? He's not going to give her to you if that's not who you're trying to be. You got to grow in your walk with God. You got to work to establish yourself as someone who leads and provides for others. Here's a word for young women if a guy isn't on track to take care of himself, he needs more time baking in the oven. All right, that doesn't mean he can't live with his parents. I was out of college pretty fresh when I met Corey, I was saving money, had plans, was working to provide. But girls, if a guy can't take care of himself, just let him bake a little longer before you go into that relationship. Don't waste your time. Have a high standard. Ladies, have a high standard. Because a boy will shy away from high standards, but a man will rise to meet them. You don't want to marry a boy. If he's a boy, let him grow up. Marry a man who works hard. God doesn't want us to be dependent on anyone. God doesn't want us to be a slave to others. He doesn't want us to be drowning in debt. Let me give some practical advice about work. Here's just some very practical advice about work. Number one, sometimes you have to do what you don't want to do to be where you want to be. Sometimes you got to do what you don't want to do to be where you want to be. Here's something my dad taught me. Phil, always work. 
Sometimes you're going to be able to work where you want to, and other times you're just going to need to work. But always work. You know, after I graduated from college with a ministry degree and had done some ministry, my wife and I went to Amsterdam to do a school and to, be, and to do missions there. And when we came home, Corey was pregnant with our first son, Corbin. I didn't have time to look for a ministry position. But I knew the day we got back, I had to go find a job. So I went back to town, and in Goshen, Indiana, there's a whole bunch of RV factories. If you own an RV, you probably got one built in Goshen or Elkhart, Indiana. And I thought, you know, they're always looking. I literally went door to door and said, look, my wife is pregnant. I need a job today. I'll do whatever you need me to do. And I ended up, I got hired that day. I ended up working in quality control in an RV factory, making sure that frames weren't bent. I had a job where I was packing boxes, right? But I knew I needed to do that. There was a need that needed to be provided for. So sometimes you have to do what you don't want to do to get where you want to be. Number two, the best time to investigate taking your next step is while you have a job, right? Don't, don't quit your job because you feel like God has something else for you. Keep working and keep praying. Nothing's stopping you from knocking on doors while you're employed. That's the best time to do it. I tell young guys all the time, it's like, why well, I can't get a job doing what I went to school for. I'm like, well, then go work at McDonald's. And while you're bringing in that paycheck, be putting out applications and resumes at other places. And when the time comes, you can leave. That's just practical advice. Number three, never quit a job before you have another one. You got to play the long game. Don't go to work and have someone make you mad and quit. You got to play the long game. Even if you decide, okay, it's time for me to start looking somewhere else. Just be patient because you need to provide for yourself. You need to provide for those who depend on you. And you need to have so that you can give to those in need. Number four, and this is for everyone, even if you're in the career position that you dreamed of. Generous and reliable people get ahead. Generous and reliable people get ahead. I read a book not that long ago, a secular book, not a Christian book. It's just a business book called Give and Take by Adam Grant. And he does a whole lot of research in there. One of the things he finds is that, do you know who the most generous people are in our culture? It's the wealthiest and the poorest. The wealthiest and the poorest people in our culture are the most generous people. The difference between them is a whole nother sermon. People who are wealthy tend to be smarter about how they give, right? And people who are in poverty tend to have sometimes less wisdom. You know, they might give you the shirt off of their back, but it might be without being able to eat, right? But the two most generous groups are these. Do you know who the least generous people are? The middle class. And you know why? Because we're all trying to be upper class. We're all trying to get somewhere. We're afraid we're not going to get there. So we hoard and we hold on to and we try to step on others to get where we want to be. But listen, people at your job can tell what kind of person you are. 
But if you're that person who shows up to work on time every day, if you're that person who calls in sick when you're sick, if you're that person who's not trying to manipulate the system, and you're a person, now, now tell me this isn't the gospel, and you're a person who at your work, people know that you put others ahead of yourself. Do you know what most bosses will see? Leadership potential. Leadership potential. You don't get promoted if you're not someone that can be trusted. But if you're the kind of person who puts others first, you know, your boss doesn't think you're gunning for his job. He just thinks you're a good leader. Right? So generous and reliable people get ahead in whatever career you choose. And lastly, because work is spiritual, always do your best work. We do everything for the glory of God, right? So even packing boxes can be for the Lord. Even writing speeding tickets can be for the Lord. <laughs> Whatever your job is, teaching, teachers, whoo, it's about to get real tomorrow. And you're serving those kids. Man, we love you for that. But primarily, you're serving God by serving those kids. It's an act of worship. And for you young people who are going back to school, you know, right now, school is your job. But do your best work. Do your best work so you can succeed. Do your best work so you can walk into the thing that God is calling you to. And if God is calling you to a lucrative career, then God is going to use you there. And who knows? Maybe you'll be a millionaire. Just use it for the kingdom, guys. Use it for the kingdom too. So God wants us to provide for ourselves, but he also likes it when we enjoy ourselves. Right? God wants you to work hard and make a paycheck so that you can do some fun stuff. God wants you to take vacation. Some of you need a vacation. God wants you to like where you live. God wants you to drive a car that's reliable and maybe one that you like to drive. Enjoying life is also spiritual. Enjoying your life is a spiritual thing if it comes from gratitude. When you take that vacation, thank God for it. When you get that house, thank God for it. Right? Worship him. Give him the credit. We have a photo I want to show you. Don't laugh too hard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think God likes watching me go down the water slide. God likes watching me go down the water slide. He likes that water in my face smile. He thinks that's great. I think this picture is on his refrigerator. <laughs> Probably similar to the way that I enjoy watching my sons go down the water slide. I like watching them enjoy themselves, but this is one of the reasons, guys, that we work hard to take care of ourselves is so that we can also do some fun things, and God likes that. He likes to bless you. And it's a form of worship to have a good time when you have gratitude for what God has given you. We need to make sure that we bless others with blessings God has given us, though. We don't work hard just to have a good time, right? We're not just working for the weekend. But we're working so that we can enjoy life and so that we can give from those blessings to other people. 
So the first reason we work is so that we don't have to be dependent on others. The second is so we can provide for those who are depending on us. This is our families, right? This is our spouses, our kids. This can be very difficult if you aren't ready for it. How many parents do we have? Right, you can testify that kids are expensive. (laughs) And the older they get, the more expensive they get, right? So we have to be prepared. We have to plan so that we can provide and meet those needs. Sometimes the people depending upon you are your grandchildren. Right, I know people in our church who are taking care of their grandchildren. Or maybe it's your parents. You may not realize that your parents are depending on you. But they are. In our society, guys, we are horrible in an ungodly manner the way we shove our parents away when they're old. Our parents are never a burden, guys. Never. I don't care if I have to live in a garage to have my parents live with me if they need to. I will not put my parents somewhere they don't want to be. And that can be a very complicated thing, man. Sometimes as people get old, you know, there's, there's mental issues and, and, and memory issues and things that have to be considered where people need special care. But in our society, man, people really easily put their parents aside and they forget that they were taken care of at one time. But even more than that, it matters to God how we treat our parents. Listen to 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So how does God feel about us providing for those who are depending on us? God says, you're not giving testimony to me at all. If you're not taking care of the people you're supposed to take care of, you're you're denying the faith. You're, You're saying you follow Jesus, but you don't look like it. Don't abandon your parents in their old age. I've given the illustration before of an umbrella, and I want to remind us of it. You know, we work to take care of ourselves and others, and like when when we when we get to where we're coming into adulthood and we're able to take care of ourselves, it's like we're holding an umbrella that covers us. It's one of those little ones, you know, that packs up really small. But as we mature, that umbrella becomes really big, like a golf umbrella. You know what I mean? And there's other people standing under it as I hold it. My family and those who depend on me. And the more we grow in the faith after that, you know, it becomes, you know, you know, a a tent, (laughs) a canopy. Because we're looking for people that we can shelter, looking for people to bring in. Sometimes this means being an adoptive parent or a foster parent. You know, here's a question for you. Is God calling you to take care of orphans? There are a lot of them. There are a lot of them. There are well over 300, almost 400 kids in foster care just in Spartanburg County. And do you know how many foster homes there are to take care of those kids? A hundred. DSS has kids sleeping there overnight because they don't have a place to put kids. 
And sometimes we wrestle, guys, because, and listen to me, this is a very sensitive thing. We wrestle because we feel like God hasn't maybe given us children. And that is a very difficult thing. But listen, God brings children more than one way. Pray about it. Just pray about it. There may be some kid sleeping at DSS just wishing he had you in his or her life. We're having a meeting here after church on September 22nd. We're starting a foster and adoptive ministry here at Four Points Church. And it's just an, it's just an informational meeting where you can come find out like, hey, how can I be involved? Maybe God's not calling you to adopt or be a foster parent, but people who are adopting and people who are foster parents need support from other people too. So there's lots of things you can do. I want to encourage you uh, to come to that on September 22nd and just investigate. But seriously, maybe God is calling you. My wife and I have been foster parents for six years. We've had 11 foster children. One of them we've adopted, Chrissy. And um, I can't tell you how big of a blessing it is, guys. It's this much of a blessing. I would give up preaching before I gave up being a foster parent. There's a lot of talking heads out there. I can YouTube anybody I want to, but there's not enough parents in the world. So pray about it. Anyway, so secondly, so we can take care of those who are depending upon us. And lastly, so we can be a part of God's work in the world. Be a part of God's work in the world. We read Ephesians chapter 4 and it talks about this, but listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously, right? If you give a little, you'll probably reap a little. And if you give a lot, you'll get a lot. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So what is this passage saying? This passage is saying when we work hard and we, and we take care of ourselves and we take care of those who are depending upon us and we reach out to take care of other people who maybe aren't in our sphere but need help, God blesses us. He blesses us. When we help those in need, we are his hands and feet. He's given to us for us to give to them. And God will make sure when you're walking in obedience that you not only have everything you need, which this passage says you will, but you will be blessed. And blessed is just another way of saying you will have God's favor. And having God's favor is a really, really good thing. God wants us to give generously and sacrificially to the ministry of the church. Do you know why Four Points Church exists? To preach the gospel. To disciple Christians and to mature Christians. And to serve our community. That's why we're here. That's why a church has staff. I want to thank you for allowing me to be compensated for what I do as your pastor so that my kids don't hate me. I get to come and pray and prepare to disciple, to grow, to preach. And that's something we do together. 
We all make that happen. God wants us to be generous beyond our tithing, right? With the Bible talks about 10% of our income to give through the church. But God wants us to be generous beyond that and give through the church. Guys, ministry, like everything else in life, costs money. But do you know why I think God made it that way? Because it gives him an opportunity to maybe tap on our biggest idol. Do you know what our society worships? Money and people who have it. And when God challenges us to give to others, to help others, for many of us, he's hitting us in a very difficult spot. Because remember, we're all trying to get ahead, right? We don't have anything to spare because we're trying to get somewhere. But where do we need to get if we have God's favor? Where do we need to get if he promises to meet all of our needs? Where do we need to get if he promises us fun in the middle of it all? But listen, just like we talked about spending time with God, we don't want that to be an obligation. God doesn't want you being generous to be an obligation either. It's actually really cool that we get to be a part of what God is doing. It's actually really exciting. Because you know, when you give to help someone else, you're partnering with God in the ministry to their lives. You and I get to be a part of that. Sometimes we get to see the results and it's cool and other times we don't. But God wants giving to his kingdom to be an, a joy, not an obligation. You know, Abner Creek Elementary School, man, those teachers were stoked to get some Chick-fil-A biscuits, some biscuits from heaven. They were, they were blessed to get the bags that we gave them for their classrooms. They were afraid there wasn't going to be enough. You know, what church is going to bring enough stuff for everyone? We did. You did that. You made that happen. You obeyed God and you gave. And look what happened. The carpenter's table. Every time we serve there, guys, we're partnering with God. The Middle Tiger Community Center. We brought food there. We got to partner with God. This coming summer, we're taking a trip to Haiti and be listening for that. Details are coming, but I communicate with the missionaries there all the time. Guys, and they were telling me this week how they're doing a VBS in a village that's never had one with kids who probably never heard the gospel. And Four Points Church is a part of it. Through prayer, we're, we're gonna go there. I want you to go there. But this is because we're partnering together. We're laboring together, guys. We are better together. But in order to get there, we have to work. Even as your pastor, I have to work. And it is work. It's a lot of work. But it's worth it for the result. So work hard wherever you are. Whatever work feels like to you. Do your best be a generous and reliable person and you will move forward. And then use what God blesses you with to take care of yourself, to take care of the needs of those that are depending upon you and to take care of those who are in need and to support his church.
and God will bless you. Let's pray. Father, it's a really weird thing to say, but thank you for giving us a job to do. Thank you for giving us a means of worship. God, thank you for giving us hands and feet and minds and the ability to labor for your kingdom. And God, I pray that, Lord, everything that we do, we would do it for you. That we would be generous people. God, use us, use our church to change the world. And we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.